This is part two of this conversation regarding vaccinations. I tell you, uh, Steve, we had um, so many people are concerned and interested in this. We had Heather Laudenpera on and, and uh, Pam Long. Uh, we thought we were going to have on and her. Um, she's not feeling well. Her, her voice, I guess, isn't working as well as she would like this morning. So in her place, we have Colleen Prane. So Heather, welcome. Thank you, Kim. Good morning. And Colleen, welcome. Good morning, Kim. Thank you. Now, I understand both you ladies are a little short on sleep because you were down at the Capitol for the hearing uh, in committee on House Bill 1913-12. So, Heather, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, Kim, one thing I want to say is that some of your listeners may be thinking, what does 1312 have to do with me? I don't have kids or my kids are vaccinated or, or whatever. So I want to explain a couple things of why everyone should be really concerned. This hearing was not a democratic process. We had uh, hundreds and hundreds of testifiers for uh, voting no on HB 13 that got there early. Many of us were there around 10 a.m. so that we could be outside the hearing room, so that we could sign up for testimony. Um, We were crammed into the hallway. the hearing was supposed to happen at 1.30. The hearing didn't start till 2.30. Uh, they didn't open the doors until well after 1.30, uh, maybe 2. We were out there for hours, jammed together in that hallway. When they finally opened the doors, we walked in to find out that at least 56 seats in the center were reserved. <clears throat> they, put, they let parents in 12 at a time or testifiers in 12 at a time. No saving seats. Get over to your seat. We got down. We got uh, people in there. Then the fillover went into two different hearing rooms and for or two different listening areas. And for a very long time, there were people that had nowhere to go to hear the hearing. There were people in the hallways with their injured kids waiting, waiting, waiting for this testimony. And then the uh, hearing started, and they went into panels of four, um, pro and against, and. Uh, ultimately ran out of the pro-testimony quite quickly, and then we heard the opposing testimony until 3.30 in the morning. And finally... And And opposed to 1312. I'm sorry, pro... Yes, opposed to 1312. We heard that testimony until about 3.30 in the morning. There were mothers there with their disabled children waiting to testify at 3 in the morning. And... Not everyone got heard. People had to go home because they had to go to work. They had to go take care of their children the next day. All of the pro side went home until the very end when one final witness was escorted in by a security guard and was, uh, I guess, given the job of wrapping up and discounted all of the testimony that was given that day by the opposing side. Uh, telling them that there was misinformation. Um, The contrast between uh, the parties listening was amazingly evident. Uh, The Republicans asked very uh, good questions, paid attention. Um, The Democrats, unfortunately, a lot of times were looking at their phone or conversing with one another. Um, The bill sponsor left the room several times. It It was not a democratic process. And Colleen can talk about the amendments, but there were amendments made, and they were all rejected. And, um, and so that's why people should be concerned, because this is how our legislation is being run. I was shocked. I was shocked and disgusted. And, 
And I also want to tell you, if it's all right, just a little bit about what this bill does, because there are people who are thinking this doesn't affect me, and it absolutely may. Um, this bill seeks to double our vaccination schedule that's required for school, and it would require parents to get their children an, a yearly flu shot and the HPV vaccine, which is very controversial to many people. The uptake on that is, uh, is very low. Um, and for over 50% of children are not getting that HPV shot, this would require it. And there's a lot of people that are concerned about that shot for different reasons. Um, so this bill it has the potential to, to affect so many parents in this state, up to 85% of the parents in this state. And if you don't want your children to have one of the 53 shots on that schedule, you have to go in person to the health department to get an exemption so they can give you a certificate to take to your school in person. Um, and so there are potentially... But then after that, they log you into a database for tracking as a non-complier. That's an alarming part as well, is that if you don't agree with what they're doing, you have to sign a, a form with compelled speech saying that you know you're putting your child in the community at risk, which in other states has set it up for CPS to file child neglect charges and actually take kids away from their parents. And so then once you disagree and you're not doing what the government wants you to do, then they put your children's personally identifiable information into a database according to which shots they have not received. That includes their date of birth, their name, their address. And as we can see is what's happening in New York this week, then they can come when, they, when the government sees fit and then they can regulate mandatory vaccinations. People in New York have been getting a $1,000 fine in jail time if they don't vaccinate, including the MMR virus, or uh, the M MMR vaccine for six months old, when the vaccine insert says that it's not for anybody under the age of 12 months. So it's, it's very dangerous, this part of the bill. And, yes, and Kim, I'd like to also add into that, that this uh, compelled speech form, you know, there's, there's shots on here that aren't communicable in a school setting. I would hope not. The HPV vaccine is not communicable in a school setting. Uh, it it's protects about, against cervical cancer. Um, so this, these parents would be logged into a database for uh, refusing that vaccine. And we've seen where uh, in Indiana and Michigan in 2015, thousands and thousands of families received uh, letters from their health department instructing them to go and get their children the HPV vaccine. This, their state health department did not let them know that this isn't required for school. It clearly singled out one particular vaccine that they were wanting to push and sent it to these parents who were in this database, in their, in their immunization database, and, uh, and sent letters out compelling parents to go get this vaccine that isn't even required for school, nor is it communicable in a school setting. And parents have no idea when they, you get a letter from your health department, you think that it's something you have to do. So this is really troubling. Well, it is troubling. And, and Colleen, thank you for jumping in there on that. But as you're talking about this, I'm thinking that, you know, there's been this narrative out there about big pharma. And of course, the implication is that there's one political party that is uh, in the pocket for big business and the other is standing for the little guy. What, what, you're, what you're saying here is, is, is that narrative, what I'm seeing is that narrative is not true. It was the, the Dems that did not even take any amendments down here at the state capitol. And then let's just think about what that does for sales for a pharmaceutical company. If you can force every kid in the country to have to have a vaccine, for example, the HPV, the only way that you can get um, 
you know, or have problems with HPV, it was my understanding, or typically, is regarding, um, you know, sex. And so what you're saying is, is these are not, that is not a, a vaccination that's necessary for being in school. Is that right, Heather? Is that what you're saying? That's right. And it's true. And what this bill would also do that's extremely troubling is it would mandate the full CDC schedule as required for school bypassing our existing existing stakeholder process that we have in place in Colorado. Ah. It would also allow our Board of Health to add vaccines that aren't even on the ACIP CDC schedule, bypassing the stakeholder process. Oh, and, and I read the bill, Heather, and that really was troubling. So we now have an unelected bureaucratic board that could force our kids to have vaccinations that we don't even know we're out there. And, you know, ladies, Colleen, um, on the last conversation, I mean, I've vaccinated my kids, and I really came to this conversation of, you know, I think it's important that we vaccinate, but as I've talked to Heather and as I've looked at this bill and then looked at the players, you know, the, the, and the, and the force and, and the fact of not listening to people and forcing something to our kids. I mean, I'm like seeing danger, danger on this, Colleen. There, there's sirens going off in my head. They're screaming. Um, I was at the Capitol most days last week and the pharmaceutical lobbyist who is working on this bill and pushing this bill, has given her personal information to all the legislators, uh, specifically the Democratic representatives, and she has advised them to not listen to what the moms who are coming to them are saying and to call her directly. And I was with one mom who had the bill in her hand with this representative, and she said on these lines of the bill right here, pointing to them, reading them to him, she said, this is how this is going to impact my child. And he said, that's not true. He said, that's, that's not what's in the bill. She said, and she was reading the bill to him. And he said, hang on a moment. And he put her on hold and he called the pharmaceutical lobbyist on speakerphone and, and asked her, her the question. She said, no, that's not true. That's not what's going to happen. And then the mom piped up and said, I'm sorry, but I do understand this bill. I'm reading it to him and that is how it's going to affect my child. And she said, Representative so-and-so, would you please take me off speakerphone so we can speak privately? And the next day I went back to this representative with this mom again, and we said, we want to look at this bill with you. We want an hour of your time in a private, quiet setting so we can go through the bill line by line. And he said, I'm talking to you right now. That's all you're going to get. He said, it doesn't say that in the bill. And I said to him, how can you listen to a pharmaceutical lobbyist who is making money and who will profit off of this bill passage and not listen to the mothers who are trying to fight for the health and well-being of our children? I said, you are not in our homes. You are not paying our medical bills when we're trying to recover them from vaccine injury. You are not there crying with them to take care of them and raising this child. I said, how can you not listen to us and disregard what we're saying and opt for someone who's going to profit off of this? And he said, I'll be back. And he walked away from us and he never came back. Okay, if you I, go to Open Secrets, oh, go ahead. If you go to OpenSecrets.org, you can actually look at how much money politicians have received from pharma, and it is both Republican and Democratic. It's all across the board. But what we saw is a blatant disregard for what parents were going through. If, can I tell you about the amendments that the Republicans proposed at the end of the hearing? Yeah, let's go to break. Uh, we're going to, okay. this is such an important conversation. So this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. And we are talking with two moms, Heather Laudenpera and Colleen Prane, who were down into the wee hours of the, the night at the uh, hearing at in committee for this forced vaccination bill here in Colorado. It's House Bill 19. 1312. And yes, let's hear about these amendments and what happened with that. So we will be right back.
I have on the line with me Colleen Prane and Heather Laden Pear, a couple of moms concerned about this forced vaccination bill, House Bill 1913-12. And my friends, I just, you know, I, I have to look at the players. When I was in the investment business, I, I always kind of had to, you know, check my gut as I was looking at different you know, people that might come in and make presentations regarding investments or whatever. And and uh, just kind of have to check my gut on the players on this whole thing. And as uh, Heather and Colleen have been describing this, the the Democrats did not take any amendments. They didn't listen to any of the moms there. And uh, I've always been pretty much pro-vaccination. I, I, I thought it was important. I vaccinated my kids. And I've always thought it was, was important. And as I'm looking at this, though, this is way beyond what we used to do. I mean, Heather, you said that there's 53 vaccinations that are currently on the schedule. And this bill gives full reign for an unelected board to determine what else will be forced into children's bodies. And parents, what you guys just described on this thing in New York, I tried to Google it. I'm not finding a whole bunch of information about this. What happened in New York quickly? Uh, Colleen, do you want to take that or Heather, do you want to take that? Colleen can do that. So um, with the measles outbreak that was happening, it happened in a largely unvaccinated area of Orthodox Jews who do not vaccinate because it's against their religion to inject some of the ingredients into their bodies. And so there was an outbreak is considered anything over three cases, just to give you a context of outbreak. Um, The measles can have side effects that are harmful, but by and large, it's a very benign disease, actually. Um, It's a rash that lasts about a week. There's a fever. And, you know, a long time ago, people would encourage their kids, their parents would try to get their kids the disease, kind of like they used to do with chickenpox. And then they would take care of it and they would move on. And then those people had lifelong immunity and they, you know, would protect the other people in their community, which is a whole other story we could talk about on another show of herd immunity. Um, Anyway, so because the officials were capitalizing on the fear around the measles outbreak at this time, there was an order saying that no unvaccinated children could go anywhere in public places for 30 days. This was about three to four weeks ago. And so that was taken to court and a judge overruled it, saying that that was not constitutional and that you couldn't tell these people they couldn't go into public places. There had been a fine and jail time associated with that. So after that, Mayor de Blasio decided that that was not okay. And he ordered, he and the health department ordered for three zip codes within New York City. So everybody had to have um, mandatory vaccinations on the MMR virus. And if they didn't have it within 48 hours, they could get jail time and a thousand dollar fine. So um, Google has changed its algorithms. Actually, if you Google things about vaccines on, on Google, it's only going to populate the things that add to the narrative of how dangerous they are. I'd be happy to send you some information on what's going on there after the show. Um, so that's the situation in New York. Now, okay, now just clarify, Google is pro-vaccination or, or not? They're, they're pro-vaccine. They, they went along with what Facebook and YouTube and Pinterest have done. Um, Adam Schiff had, have Schiff called for them to, you know, get away from any kind of, they call it anti-vaccine sediment. Um, so they've changed their algorithm. So when you do searches, pro-vaccine messages come up and things that are counter to that argument are being pushed down further in the search results. Okay. Kim, may I jump in for just one second? Sure, go ahead, Heather. 
I, I really I have trouble with this pro-vaccine versus anti-vaccine rhetoric because I mm-hmm. vaccinated my children and they I took a very, very, very long time to do that. I used exemptions the whole way so that they could get the required shots for school. And I, 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 but you said you did them one at a time, right? Yeah. You were very careful about that. Okay. I was very careful. And, um, it, I, it required me to use exemptions. There's a lot of parents out there. This isn't a black and white issue. This isn't pro vaccine or anti vaccine. This is, and I, I am absolutely horrified that my kids would have to get 21 more shots and some very controversial vaccines if this bill passes. But this isn't a pro vaccine. You know, everyone testifying on this is, is not, not vaccinating their children at all. Some people use one, <clears throat> exempt from one vaccine. So I'd like, to, like, I'd like to clear that up. This pro-vax, anti-vax thing is a way to divide us. And that is happening in everything in our country. And it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. We are not divided as a people. You know, I think if parents spoke with one another, we would see how much we have in common. And I just really want people to understand that. For so sure. where the anti-vax label came from was actually by people who are trying to further these mandates and mandatory vaccinations. It's a very derogatory term because I know a lot of people in this movement, and I'll tell you my kids are partially vaccinated, and I don't know a single anti-vaxxer. Everybody that I know is 100% in favor of anybody receiving a vaccine who wants to receive a vaccine. We're not telling people they shouldn't vaccinate. We're saying we reserve the right to decide what and when things will be injected into our children's bodies and that we as Americans have constitutional rights to keep that matter private and that if we see fit not to do that, whether it's for medical reasons or religious reasons or personal conviction because we've researched the ingredients, that it's our right to decide these are our bodies they're our jurisdiction this is not something that that anybody should be telling anybody else what to do let alone the government mandating what gets injected into our bodies well and it, on the, oh, go ahead well and de blasio new york is a sanctuary city so he seems to have no problem with bringing in thousands of people that are not vaccinated but yet a parent that does not vaccinate doesn't vaccinate their child he wants to put them in jail i mean something there's something fishy going on here colleen this is such an important conversation and we're getting close to end of time let's talk a little bit about these amendments uh that were put forth sure so there were six amendments uh the first one was to exclude homeschoolers from this bill give them complete immunity if you will from this bill um the second one was to make sure that all that because the bill calls for educational materials to be created by CDPHE and updated on an annual basis only on the, the, the benefits of vaccines. And so the amendment proposed that it would just add the risks as well, not just benefits, but benefit and risk. Uh, the third one was to remove the re- requirement to appear in person to get the exemption signed and filed with CDPHE. Um, that's because they wanted to protect parents from having to potentially give fingerprints or pictures or anything like that. That was shut down as well. Uh, require doctors to give parents the ingredient list of vaccines along with the vaccine insert and a list of possible side effects and how to report any adverse reactions. Like that makes pretty much common sense. Sure. You know, this is what you're getting. These are the, the, the ingredients inside of them. These are the side effects. And this is what you should do if you have these side effects. That was rejected. Um, it was the next one was to proactively clarify that doctors cannot file information into CIIS if the parent wants to opt out. Right now, it's the 
um, Colorado Immunization Information System, and every single person in Colorado, adults too, is put into this system unless you opt out. So it's automatic opt-in. You have to fill out a form and tell CDPHE if you don't give them their, your permission to track them. So they, they just wanted to have the doctors proactively say, hey, if you don't want us to put this information in CIIS, then we won't do it. Now, to clarify, CIIS is not even the tracking system that CDPHE is going to use for non-compliers. This is a completely separate database. Um, and then the last amendment was to specify how much personal information can be released to the government on the exemption form. It wanted to take out compelled speech and add a time frame and boundaries on the data life. So basically, this is common sense. This is GDPR. This is something that's been happening for over a year in the EU whereas, as in regards to housing data, protecting that data, and then having to have a sunset on that data and when the government can no longer house it. And these were all completely rejected. Was it rejected along party lines? Yes. Okay, so the, the Democrats were uh, rejected all these. And, uh, yeah, a lot of that makes common sense. Okay, ladies, we're just about out of time. Heather, what's the next step? What's going to happen now? What should we do? Well, we are uh, waiting uh, to see when this will be read in the full House floor. Then it will go to the Senate committee. Um, what people can do is write to their legislators, go in person, talk to your legislator, call them, tell them that you are opposed to this bill and this type of of um, tracking of our children and mandating without, uh, without you know, uh, proper due process. And also, I just want to mention, too, that this is uh, a zero note on this fiscal bill, and there are clear unfunded mandates to the schools and the health departments. So this is not going to be zero dollars for the schools to run after children every year for a flu shot. And for the health departments, I don't believe these people in the health department will be meeting with parents for free, yet this is a zero dollar fiscal note. So I think people need to talk to their legislators about that. How, how is this type of legislation, a zero-dollar fiscal note, where is our money going? How, you know, these unfunded mandates are unacceptable. And we need to be going out en masse, talking to our legislators, showing up at these hearings. Um, well, Heather, writing, calling <laughs> for sure. Heather and Colleen, I think we're going to have to have a part three on this show. This is really important. So thank you so much for joining me this morning.